Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn. Dr. Cubitt, thank you so much for being here with us today. Katie, thanks so much for having me back. Today, we are going to be discussing ways that we can help our horses thrive in the wintertime. So we want to make sure that they not only are going to get through winter okay, but you know, hopefully not lose a ton of extra weight, especially for any of those hard keepers that struggle in the wintertime to be able to keep on weight. So this is going to be a jam-packed episode. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but I think it's going to be a lot of great information as well. Yes, I am excited. I personally, being from Australia, hate the cold. But I know when I was a graduate student that most of the horses at our farm loved the cold. They loved being out. And it had to be pretty terrible weather before they would choose to go into the run-in shed. So I think there's a lot of horses that don't mind that cold weather. I know, right? Our horses are the same way. It can just be the strangest thing, even though they're offered plenty of shelter and everything, especially in the area in southern Idaho where I'm at. We get a lot of wind, and they can be out there in the wind if it happens to be snowing, but to it, but they just would rather be there than in their shelter. So absolutely. Yep. And before we get started today, we do want to share that any of the topics that we cover on the Beyond the Barn podcast, they're more generalized and they're not specific to any individual horse or any specific situation. So Always be sure to work with your veterinarian and nutritionist before making any drastic changes to your horse's feed program, or you are more than welcome to reach out to us to talk directly with Dr. Cubitt or Dr. Duran on any specifics that you would like to know. And with that, I know we talk about this a lot, but I think it's also important so people know it, especially episode to episode. But Dr. Cubitt, how much hay does a horse need every day just in general for a maintenance horse? That really comes down to how heavy they are. And we kind of determine their fiber requirements based on their body weight. It's anywhere from between one and a half to two and a half percent of their body weight. So anywhere for a thousand pound horse from 15 to 25 pounds of dry forage per day is what we feel like they require. That's what research shows that they require. If your horse is a little easier keeper, you might lean towards the one and a half percent of their body weight. If they're a little harder keeper, you might lean towards the two and a half percent of body weight, or you might just sit right there in the middle at two percent. But anywhere in that range is is ideal. Perfect. And I know this is going to be different depending on where we live, you know, temperature wise, climate wise. But for horses that are on pasture 24-7, they have pasture readily available to them the majority of the year. Once we get into those colder months where that's no longer available, at what point do they need to be fed hay? Well, if we look at pasture, the first thing we need to do is determine whether they have enough access. Is that actually supplying? So there are a lot of horses that live at pasture 24-7, but is it really enough? And researchers really have assigned about a two acre per horse limit 
for them to be able to consume enough of that dry fiber per day. And that two acres has to have about 70% coverage of good quality plant material between four and six inches tall. So we need to make sure that we have that. And then if you're familiar with having pastures or grasses growing in your field, you know that they kind of go in a cyclical pattern as far as their growth. You know that from your lawn as well. In the spring and in the fall, we really increase the growth of that pasture. But then as the fall starts to turn into winter, now we're not getting any more growth. We're not getting any more abundance of that grass. And at that point, we really want to start providing hay. And the reason also is not just about your horse. It's also about if you really are managing your horses on pasture, then you need to maintain a healthy stand of grass. And the general rule is what is above the ground is below the ground as far as the root length and and leaf length. Mm -hmm. So if we graze that pasture down too short in the fall, then the roots are going to decrease in their length and they're going to be sitting in that top crust of the soil, which isn't very fertile. It can dry out really quickly and it's also going to get a lot colder than further down. So a stronger plant is going to withstand the winter longer. So from a side note, just trying to maintain your grass, As we start to get those frosty nights and the grass really starts to dry off and stop growing, we really want to start supplying them with hay then. Okay. And speaking of that, right, you've said this before, but it's really important to transition that, right? Because your horse is going to be taking in a different type of plant material Higher moisture. Absolutely. Yes. Well, you got two things at play. You mentioned a different type of material going into the gut, which is true. And so we've talked many times about the microbiome that live in the hindgut of the horse. And that's the microbial population of yeasts and viruses and fungi and all kind of live organisms that live in the hindgut that collectively we call the microbiome. And we know that that colony of organisms takes about 21 days to adjust to new type of food. So your horses might be on grass pasture that's made up of, you know, your local grass species. And then you might be supplying the hay that you have might be a Timothy or an orchard grass or Timothy orchard grass mix that was not cut from your field. So it is a different plant species. So it's still fiber, but those bacteria take a while to adjust to it. So we've got that. But we also have the fact that pasture is 80% moisture and 20% dry matter. And that's why we need to eat so much more pasture to get that 1.5% of body weight as dry fiber. So we know that when we're feeding predominantly hay to our horses, that is very dry, it's, you know, upwards of 85 to 90% dry matter, that it just really decreases the moisture content of the gut. So the horse has to get used to drinking a little bit more water. So it's in that fall to winter transition when horses that are at pasture start eating more hay that a lot of veterinarians will notice impaction colic. And it's really just a switch in the season and the gut is adjusting to a different hydration status. Right. And so let's just say going into winter, what body condition should horses be at to, you know, safely make it through winter and keep themselves warm and keep themselves at maintenance? Well, see, this is another really tricky question. There's not really a right or wrong answer. 
I would say if you have a horse that is older and struggles with the winter and tends to lose weight through the winter time, too much weight, then I would have them going into the winter a little bit heavier than you would like because you know they're going to lose that weight. But on the flip side, if you have a horse that is fat to start with and you are just trying everything you can to get it to lose some weight, then use the winter to your advantage and he might go into the wintertime too heavy and he's going to come out the other side in ideal body condition score. So there's really no right or wrong. It depends on your horse, your horse's metabolism, their age, their length of coat, a lot of different factors. But just know that if you tend to struggle with the winter and they lose weight, then go into the winter prepared for that. Right. And speaking of those horses that, you know, are a little bit harder keepers, it is hard once the cold hits to keep that weight on them just because they have to work harder to keep warm. And so obviously we're past this point now, but for future reference, when should we be actively trying to put weight on a horse that needs it to be more at that ideal body condition for them to prepare for winter? Good question. And I worked out that based on, you know, we have this Bible in the equine world. It's the nutrient requirements for horses by the National Research Council. And anybody can purchase a copy of that. It's this black book with gold writing and researchers and scientists and academics over the years update those. But it has all of the set requirements for all the nutrients like copper and zinc and energy. And what they've determined in there is the amount of calories that you need to feed your horse additionally for them to gain an extra body condition score. And a body condition score on a thousand pound horse works out to be about 45 pounds. So to gain an additional 45 pounds, I've worked out based on how many extra calories I need to gain one pound, then I times that by 45 and I look at that number and then I've worked out, okay, over what period of time is it safe for me to add that amount of extra calories to the horse? Mm -hmm. So I have worked out that I think over a 60-day period, it's safe for you to gain on your horse anywhere from 40 to 50 pounds. Of course, we can gain weight faster than that, but you have to feed them more. It's more intense management. And you do, you know, the more you feed your horse those high-calorie ingredients, which are typically grains, increase your risk for digestive upset. So over right. a 60-day window, we can do that. So where are we, you know... At the time of this recording, yes, we're a little bit behind the eight ball on that. But if you're listening to this as a repeat later on, know that in most areas of the country, we're looking at October to be the time that we want to try and put weight on the horse. If you live in somewhere like Florida, where it takes a little longer for it to get cooler, then maybe you can look at November and December as your, your 60 days to get weight on the horse. But I always think about kind of November and December, it really starts to get cold for most places. So right. I'm, I'm looking at either September, October or October, November to be my 60 days where I'm going to really try and put some weight on these horses. Okay, that's a good time frame for us to kind of have a reference on. So, and then you were talking about, you know, those added calories needed to be able to put on weight and increase body condition score, but coming into the winter time, you know, there's extra calories that are needed to be able to help the horse keep warm. And so 
To determine that right, we talk about lower critical temperatures. So can you explain to us what that means? Yeah. So, you know, I talked about the 60 days. That's if everything in the world is right and we've got normal temperatures and your horse isn't sick and it's not going through crazy amounts of exercise. We can do it in 60 days. But you're right. Once it starts to get cold, then they're going to start burning more calories just to maintain their own kind of internal body temperature. And, and you mentioned lower critical temperature. And the definition of that is the lower critical temperature is the temperature below which metabolic heat production must be increased to maintain body temperature. So while I'm sitting here talking to you, my body internally is creating enough heat to keep me at 97 degrees Fahrenheit. All right. That's just me sitting there. But if it was cold, I would be shivering. Right. And so I would be utilizing extra calories to stay warm. So it takes more than just my basal metabolic heat production. I need more. And so we rank horses based on their age and their coat thickness as far as where their lower critical temperature might sit. So for mature horses... So that's anything from two years of age up. We look at the lower critical temperature to be anywhere from five degrees Fahrenheit to 41 degrees Fahrenheit. And then we break that down. If your horse has a thin coat, like a quarter horse or a thoroughbred or a saddlebred, where they genetically have a thinner coat, then that lower critical temperature is going to be on that top end. It's going to be 41 degrees Fahrenheit. So that means that any time the outside temperature is below 41 degrees, their body can't just physically maintain their body heat and maintain their body temperature. They're going to start using calories, which means they would start losing weight if you didn't feed them additional calories to, to maintain their body temperature. So the opposite end of that is the horses with a thicker coat, right? So your Belgians, your heavy horses, any of your pony breeds, they have a really genetically have a thicker coat. So they sit at the much lower end. They can tolerate much colder temperatures. So that would be five degrees Fahrenheit or less would be the lower critical temperature for those horses with thick coats. Now, a young horse, that's a horse that's two years of age or younger. And we've got a range of 12 degrees Fahrenheit to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So again, within that, it depends on the coat thickness and also what your horse is used to. We have actually been able to determine the amount of additional calories and therefore the amount of extra feed or hay that we would need to feed horses in these situations. So if we take a mature horse with a thin coat, he's a thoroughbred, for example, and say the lower critical temperature is 41 degrees. So when the external temperature dips below 41 degrees Fahrenheit, let's say it goes to 31. Now we're 10 degrees below that critical temperature. We know that that horse requires an extra two megacals a day of calories or energy provided in his diet to provide him with the extra calories he's going to need just to maintain his body temperature. If we take our average good quality hay, so an alfalfa, an alfalfa mix, or a really good quality grass hay, having a 
energy content of one megacal per pound, that would mean I would need to add an additional two pounds of hay per day to that horse. Now, if we get to really, really cold temperatures, like 40 degrees below that lower critical temperature. So for this horse, we're looking at it being one degree Fahrenheit outside. That's really, really cold. That horse is going to need an additional eight megacalories per day, which equates to about eight pounds of that really good quality hay on top of what he was already eating. And this doesn't take into account rain or wind or snow or ice. This is just the external temperature gets down below that lower critical temperature, if that makes sense, Katie. Yeah, I think that was excellent. And that makes me think about, you know, when people are planning prior to winter, you know, trying to figure out how much hay they're going to need to supply their horse. You know, often I think they're thinking about that one and a half to two and a half percent range that we always talk about. But I don't know how often we take into account you know, how cold it's going to get in the winter when we have to start increasing that hay intake, feed intake. So, you know, that's another thing that we need to think about going into winter is not just what they need normally to maintain during normal, you know, temperatures, but when it gets cold or when it gets rainy and windy and things like that. You bring up a great question because I certainly do not kind of factor that in when I give those numbers, when I say over a five-month period, you know, if your horse is eating one and a half percent of its body weight, you're going to need, you know, a little over two tons of hay or whatever it works out to be. I don't factor in it getting really cold or it being rainy or windy and you needing to feed additional. And I think that's when I would recommend people bring in, you know, go to the store and buy alfalfa pellets or Timothy pellets or some kind of bagged forage product because you just cannot always, you know, the farmer's almanac or the groundhog. You can't guess what the season is going to be. No, you can't. You don't know it's going to be cold or warm. So, you know, instead of having all your money tied up or not having enough or worrying about it, then I would just purchase some extra when I, if I needed it, if right. it was going to and be. And making yeah. sure, though, planning ahead still that, you know, you're having those points of being able to transition whatever feed you're like, whatever forage you normally have to that other alternative, you know, forage product or whatever. Because again, just like you said, it's changing the microbiome, what they're used to consuming and digesting there. So... So then you briefly mentioned this, but can you talk to us a little bit about what impact this has or the effect rain and wind have on our horses beyond just the lowering temperatures? What can rain and wind do to make that increase of additional hay that's needed? Yes, absolutely. You know, wind and rain really bring in a totally different dynamic. And you know that yourself. It could be 30 degrees outside and sunny, you feel great, or it's 40 degrees outside and it's windy and rainy and you feel terrible. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. So let's say it's 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's freezing, but there's a wind, 10 to 15 mile an hour wind. That wind alone will increase the calorie requirement of the horse by four to eight megacals per day. So four to eight pounds a day of our good quality hay. If it's freezing and it's just, it's raining, it increases it by six megacals a day. And this makes sense because remember in the summertime, how does the horse dissipate the most heat? It's through its skin. It's through breeze, water, evaporative cooling, 
And so the wind and then the rain is like water. It's like you washing your horse. Mm-hmm. So that makes total sense. Now, if it's rainy and it's windy and it's 32 degrees out, so we're on the borderline of it freezing, you're now increasing your horse's requirements over and above its 1.5% to 2% of its body weight. So we're already feeding him 20 pounds of hay a day with whatever grain we're feeding, if we are. Now I'm having to feed him an extra 10 to 14 megacals a day. So if I'm feeding again, I give him hay. Now we're looking at 30 to 40 pounds of hay that we're feeding him in a day. Sometimes that's just not possible, right? It's just not possible to get that many calories. If we're up in the wind and rain, I'm definitely going to recommend alfalfa because it's the most calorie dense of our fiber sources or adding some beet pulp. But again, this isn't 10 to 14 pounds of wet beet pulp. It is dry matter. So if you're doing beet pulp, it's going to be wet. So maybe it's a combination of those things. And at that point, maybe you're also bringing in calories from a bag concentrate that's higher in fat and other fiber sources that's just just going to have more calories in it. Right. And so then thinking about, you know, when storm fronts kind of come in and the the weather is predicting that there's going to be something that that's coming like later in the week. So how long prior to that storm should we start to increase the amount of hay or feed that we're offering our horses? And why is that time frame important? You know, again, I think that's a hard one to answer. And I don't think there's a right or wrong because until that weather hits the horse. It's not kind of taxing them. So if I was to give you my educated opinion and the weather readers are correct and you knew when the bad weather was coming, so a week out, they're telling you it's going to be a really bad storm and they're actually correct because, you know, they're they're never right, <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, a week out would be great to start increasing the food so they get used to it. But if it's like what happens most of the time when – oh, it's not going to be a bad storm, and then, oh my, it's a terrible storm, then as soon as it's bad, just start feeding them more. They will consume more because they're hungrier because they're losing more calories. Yep. And then how many times a day should horses be fed in colder months? Maybe that doesn't differ from the rest of the year. It doesn't differ from the rest of the year. It's more about the anatomy of the digestive system, and it's built for them to be a trickle feeder and continually graze. Now, the other thing is the hindgut, all those microbes that live back there, as they're digesting that fiber, a byproduct, you know, they create volatile fatty acids that the horse is going to utilize for energy and nutrients, but a byproduct of their fermentation is heat. So again, you could just extrapolate and say, even if it wasn't just for the way the digestive system is designed, if you're just looking at keeping your horse warm, they should be continually chewing. So those bacteria are continually working and they're continually producing heat. You know, I want to be warm all day. I don't want to just have you know, 30 minutes of every hour I'm warm and the other 30 minutes I'm cold. So two parts, just continue feeding them, trying to mimic that grazing behavior because it's how the gut should be working. But to keep them warm, again, capitalizing on working those bacteria, feed them plenty of fiber. In the wintertime, for the warmth part of it, so 
you know, I've talked about adding a really, really high calorie hay if we've got wind and rain because we just need to get more calories into them. But on the flip side, the bacteria, the harder they have to work, they produce more heat. Right. Now, it's not metabolic heat, but I always talk about also providing a variety of different fiber types just to keep the gut healthy. And I think that one of the times of the year that we fall flat, let's say we just have a horse that doesn't do a lot of exercise. For most of the year, he lives out at pasture, but we live in Idaho or North Dakota and it's cold as all get out. And so they do live in the barn the majority of the time in the winter and they're not used to that. And we're not used to having to provide them hay all the time because they're usually grazing. That's when we as owners can fail a little bit. I see a lot of gut upset when we're abrupt kind of changing their management strategy and we're not used to it and they're not used to it. So really trying to mimic that grazing behavior and providing them something to chew on all the time is very important. So I guess you could almost argue that, you know, as long as it's not like too, not enough, but rather than thinking about it, how many times a day, it's just how long you can extend that meal time in general. Yeah. I mean, the word meal is foreign to a horse. Yeah. They don't have meals. They're continually grazing. Yeah. It's kind of like the human world placing the way we live. Yes. You will yep. look at all farming strategies, all management of animals. You go back in time. And as the further you move forward in time, it more closely aligns to our nine to five work schedule. Yeah. Right. Back right. in the day, well, the farm was my job. That's when I worked and the animals we fit more into the animals' lives, and now our animals fit more into our lives. And in order to afford all of this, we have to have other jobs off the farm. And you can look at the shift in feeding animals has gone along with the shift in and changing kind of where the money comes from. Right, right. And this can probably be a whole episode in and of itself. And it's a widely debated hot topic for a lot of horse owners, but from your experience and your knowledge of working with other horse experts in this industry in general, do all horses need to be blanketed in the winter? Now, I would say no, absolutely not. And if you go to Kentucky, if you go to ranches that are have broodmares, big broodmare bands, they're not blanketing those horses because the foals are born in, in the early months and those foals will get stuck in them. Mm, and if you think yeah. about the hair and how the hair works, there are tiny little muscles under the skin that kind of pull. It's kind of like pulling up a tent, right? And they're called piloerector muscles and they make the hair go up and down. So, you know, when the hairs on the ends on your arms go up and down, it's those little muscles that are causing that. And when you're cold, oh, I've got goosebumps right. because my hair is going up. We've taken ourselves completely out of, you know, being wild and living in the elements and we have clothes and all of that kind of stuff. But horses, they grow a long coat and then their hair coat puffs up. And it now creates an air pocket at the surface of the skin between the skin and the outer lay outer tips of that hair. And that's their insulation. And that's really good insulation. And then we come along and either we clip them again because we want to ride them. And unfortunately, when they do grow a long hair coat, it is harder to cool them down after we've ridden right. them in the wintertime. So we clip them and we take that insulation off them 
or if we put a blanket on them, it flattens down that hair and you better hope that your blanket is better than their own natural insulation with which sometimes it's not. So I would say when you have older horses that really struggle, they have less fat and fat is an insulation. So it's harder to keep them warm than we should be blanketing them. If we have younger horses that are really hard keepers, then I would also help them by blanketing them. But as I mentioned earlier, if you have fat horses and you've always struggled to get the weight off them, don't put a blanket on them unless it's really, really windy and and rainy and gross and you just feel terrible. But it's going to help them lose a little bit of weight because, again, think about horses in the wild didn't have blankets. Their body weight seasonally fluctuated, and that was absolutely normal. So it is very normal for horses to lose a little bit of weight in the wintertime. What's not normal is for our older horses to lose considerable amounts of weight. But it is okay for horses to have seasonal weight fluctuations. Okay. So that's good to know, especially for any kind of newbie horse owners coming into the industry and wanting to own a horse. You know, they see everybody blanketing their horse. They assume that they need to as well. But if they have a very normal and healthy horse that, you know, naturally grows a good winter coat, they don't need to necessarily be burdened by the fact that they need to put a... No. And if you, I live in Virginia, it doesn't really get that cold here. My graduate program, we had 50 broodmares and they were falling out anywhere from January, February, March. It's still cold. We didn't blanket any of them. And again, like it had to be pretty bad for them to even stand in the run-in sheds. We as horse owners tend to what's the word, when you deflect, I guess, our own emotions, feelings onto our animals, onto our pets. It's cold outside. I feel cold. Therefore, my dog, my cat, my horse all feel cold and I need to put a blanket on them. Mm -hmm. But it's not always the case, right? I've got an Australian Shepherd dog who loves the cold. He loves it. Yes. I hate it. (laughs) I want to put a blanket on him. He just wants to go outside all the time. He's like, let me outside now. (laughs) Oh, yes. But then on the flip side, he hates the heat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's harder on him. Yeah. So we've talked about this, I think, indirectly a little bit throughout the episode so far. But what is the best thing to feed horses to help keep them warm during the colder months of the year? Let's see how much you've been listening, Katie. What do you think the best thing to feed your horse in the cold months is? Forage. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because it's the best thing to feed your horse any time of the year is forage. But in the wintertime, to keep them warm, because those microbes create excess heat, that's the best thing. I mean, you can go back and look at the farming communities back in the old days. They had their home above, kind of in the loft of of the barn. Right. The cattle were in the basement area, right? And they created all this heat and that came up through the floor and it kept the people warm. Now, I'm sure it smelled terrible as well, (laughs) but it kept them warm. Right. But yeah, in the wintertime, you can do all the warm mashes and putting warm water in your horse's feed. And you can do all that. That's great. But really the best thing is feed them more hay. 
And I wanted to make sure that we directly talked about that because, I mean, you know, there people are always recommending, oh, these are the things that I do to keep my horse warm or, you know, this is what I feed them. And so there's a number of different things. And I want to actually touch on a few of them that are, are commonly asked about. So that's why I wanted to first start with what is the best thing and that, you know, we talk about forage and it helps make the digestive system work, which helps create heat and, and all of that. So let's talk about first bran mash. Cause that's a, that's a <laughs> common one that people talk about. So how does that work for horses? And typically when someone says bran, they're usually generically referring to wheat bran mm -hmm. and all timers would have said, Oh, I feed my horse some wheat bran mash on a Friday night. And it, Keeps colic at bay. It won't get colic. And look at how it's cleaning them out, they would say. And I would say, well, what's coming out the other end is what you put in the mouth because wheat bran is really not that digestible. And so they're just pooping out the wheat bran you fed them. And, oh, they made a little bit more manure. And that's because you made a rapid feeding change because you decided you were going to only do your bran mashes on a Friday. That's a rapid feeding change because Monday or what should it would be really Saturday through Thursday, they don't get a bran mash. So first I would say just don't feed wheat bran to your horses. It's too high in phosphorus. And unless you're trying to correct a calcium phosphorus ratio, then wheat bran is not really a great idea for horses. Sometimes it's palatable. And if we're having to do medication and we're just doing a very small amount, we can. But if you're doing a bran mash, if you love the idea of a bran mash in the cooler months, do it every day. That's the first thing. You have to do it every day because it has to be routine and it can't be a rapid feeding change. And I am more inclined for you to do either a wet beet pulp mash or a wet rice bran mash instead of wheat bran because they're more ideal ratios for calcium and phosphorus. If you really want to keep the sugars and starches down, you'll go with beet pulp. If you're wanting to get a little bit more fat in the diet, maybe you'll do rice bran. But first things first, feed it every day. Second thing, I'm not a fan of wheat bran. Okay. And I've actually seen this one come up a handful of times already this year in different forums and Facebook groups that I'm in. But what about sweet feed for keeping horses warm in the winter? That was another old timer thing that they would say, oh, I feed him plenty of corn or oats. And I don't know why I get this weird accent when I talk about that. But... <laughs> uh, I was trying to hold back my <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back in the old days when I walked to school with no shoes on 10 <laughs> miles in the ways. snow. <laughs> yes, uphill. Yeah, there's always another thing. But, you know, a lot of them will talk about feeding corn. I have a lot of clients that will say, oh, you know, my grandfather used to feed corn and that. It's not going to keep them warm. It's not going to – it now it's higher in fiber than something like fat, like oil or rice bran, but it's not higher in fiber than hay. So when we look at the actual metabolism and the amount of metabolic heat that is created, hay is your fiber. That's your best bet. I actually did before I moved to America when I was an undergrad – waiting to to move to America to do my scholarship. I did what in Australia we called an honors year and I did it in six months. And that was actually my research project as I looked at the heat produced from either a high fat source, a high fiber source, or a high sugar and starch source. And we looked at taking temperature, rectal temperature versus surface body temperatures and hoof temperatures on horses that were all housed the same and but they were fed 
different feeds. Right. And definitely the horses on the high hay diet had the most heat production. Okay. And you mentioned this previously, but beet pulp. So tell us a little bit though, because there's like a couple different ways at least where beet pulp is can be beneficial in the winter. Yeah. And in the wintertime, if you, again, if you're really inclined to want to add a mash, then beet pulp is ideal. You can do it warm if you want to, if it makes you feel good. The other thing is if you have a horse that is prone to impaction colic, and there are some horses that you can set your calendar on it, that they're going to do it within the same week every single year, and you can pretty much predict when they're going to do it, you know, adding a wet mash is just helping get more moisture back into the gut. You know, I, I mentioned that they're going through that transition where we've gone from pasture, which is 80% moisture, to hay, which is now, you know, 15% moisture. Right. And that transition can be a little rough on them. So if you're just kind of helping them out by giving them a little extra moisture through that, then that can help. So, you know, I actually do recommend a lot of times a wet mash or beet pulp in that transition from fall to winter. Okay. And this is something common, a common question that we have heard, but how do you recommend soaking beet pulp in the winter and particularly in very cold climates where it doesn't take long for liquids to freeze. Uh, and that's a hard one because I don't want to live in a climate where it's that cold. That's cold. That's, that's crazy. You can keep <laughs> that. But, you know, what I would recommend is let's just, because there are some barns that don't have hot water at the barn. Okay, so maybe you're taking a thermos of hot water. I know that can be a real pain, but you're taking a thermos of warm water. Everybody's got some kind of Yeti cup or something that can keep their coffee warm. So for when we're feeding the horses, take two and put water in one and and we're doing, you know, most people really don't feed that much beet pulp anyway. So if you're feeding a cup of dry beet pulp, then you would do two cups of water with it. And I think most people carry two cups of water. Even if you're doing two cups of dry beet pulp, now you're looking at four cups of water. And if it's a struggle, if you're worried about taking water or not being able to take enough warmer water to the barn, then you could look at using rice bran because you just can put a sprinkle of water on that to moisten that. The other thing is you could mix it with a little bit of, say, stevia, or if you're not worried about sugars and starches, you could mix a little bit of molasses or honey in there because that's not going to freeze as as quickly. Yeah, that's a tough one. Just not trying to do it too soon, too early okay. so that it's going to freeze and yeah, just doing small amounts. Okay. And so... For horses who tend to experience significant weight loss over winter, you know, obviously we should be working with a veterinarian to determine the health status of the horse, just making sure that we rule out medical issues, right? Like yep. making sure their teeth don't need to be floated or they don't need to be wormed or anything like that. But if we can rule all those things out, what tips do you have for horse owners to prevent a major weight loss from occurring during the colder months for hard keepers? Yeah, it's really about just calories in really. You're feeding plenty of hay, you're getting, you know, the heat from the actual just digestion and fermentation of that hay. But then when we're looking for extra calories, oil is the easiest way. It's the most calorie dense source. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these horses, you know, like in my analogy where you're adding 10 to 15 extra calories a day, 
that's a lot of bulk and some horses just aren't going to want to eat that much extra or have the capability. So using fat can sometimes be your easiest option to add a lot of extra calories without a lot of extra bulk. And that can be any of your oils. Now, every single oil has exactly the same calorie content. They will all put weight on your horse exactly the same, whether it's expensive oil or cheap oil or you know, fancy oils or not fancy oils, they all have exactly the same calorie content. Don't let anybody try and pull the wool over your eyes about that. But then you look at what else am I going to get out of the oil? You look at omega-3s, you look at palatability, vitamin E, those kinds of things. But if it's just purely weight gain, you can pick whichever one you want. And this next question I'm going to ask, it's specifically in here because I saw somebody ask this question. So For hard keepers or those that tend to lose a lot of weight over the winter months, which is more important to increase, more protein or more fat? Or is it a combination of the two? Protein is a very, very inefficient calorie source. It will get turned into calories eventually, but I always talk about it as like neutral because in order to turn protein that you eat into calories, you actually have to use calories to make that kind of biochemical process work. But you don't need to use calories to turn fat into calories. So I would say fat is – now, I'm not saying that fat is more important than protein. I'm saying that if your horse has – is receiving its full requirement for how much protein it needs in a day and you're still wanting it to gain weight, then add more fat to the diet. Okay. That's great. Okay. Thank you. And as we start to wind down this episode, I know this is a longer one, but it's a lot of great information. We can't go through talking about winter feeding without discussing more about water. So how much water does a maintenance horse need in the winter? Anywhere between 5 and 15 gallons per day. And I would preface that with, it's like everything. I want people to know what their horse's normal rectal temperature is. I want you to know what their normal pulse is. What is their normal respiration rate? What is their normal capillary refill time? You know, when you stick your thumb, and I'm doing it, that's why it sounds weird. You stick your thumb under their top lip on the top gum, and you'll see how much time you press hard, and then you take it away and see how much time it takes for the blood to fill back in, or Mm -hmm. you do the pinch test on the neck. You need to know what your horse's normal is, because I will give you a range. Five to 15 gallons is a big range. Yes. What if your horse is normally drinking 15 gallons, and then he drinks five? Well, I told you that five to 15 gallons was normal, a normal range, but for your horse... 15 gallons was his normal, then he goes and drinks five, there's something wrong. So again, without knowing individual horses, the range is about five to 15 gallons. But you need to know what is normal for your horse. Right. And that's a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. It's really important. And if you're new into horses and you buy a new horse, you know, we worry about getting him vetted and or what feed was he eating? What hay was he eating? There should be another checklist of, okay, do you know what his normal rectal temperature is? How much water does he normally drink? Like not on a hot day and not after you've exercised him a bunch, but what's his normal water intake? So that you can then use those as guides for when stuff goes bad. I know and I know, wow, he only drank five gallons today. I think I need to call the vet before it's a disaster. Yeah. Right? Right. And that's any time of the year. 
Right, right, yes. And we talked about this a little bit before, but for those maybe, you know, again, kind of coming into this new and just trying to piece these things all together, what can happen if a horse doesn't drink enough water in the winter? You know, first thing is that they'll get impaction colic, and that's a vet call, and that's expensive, and it's painful, and you don't want to have your horses go through that. But the other thing is we oftentimes think it's cold. Horses will just drink a whole lot less in the wintertime, and that is normal. But, you know, we've mentioned that horses would be getting – if they're at pasture, they're getting moisture from the pasture, and then they come and they're just eating hay – and they're not getting any moisture out of that. So remember, they've got to get some, replace the moisture they were getting out of pasture that they're not getting now. So that that accounts. So don't think just because it's cold, they're drinking a whole lot less water. Right. They still need to drink water. And if you're riding your horse, you're not noticing the sweat as much, but they are still sweating. And you're not noticing it because remember, the air is really dry. So that ability for them to cool is a whole lot quicker. Now it's not humid. Now we don't have 60, 70% humidity where it takes a while for that sweat to dry off them. And now it's 10% humidity. It's so dry, the sweat that comes off the horse is gone before you even pet your horse. So the horse is still losing moisture. So we need to make sure that we do keep providing them plenty of water. And I think at the beginning, you asked about temperature of water and lukewarm water. It shouldn't be super cold and it shouldn't be super hot. And be care- again, we could do a whole nother yeah. web, you know, podcast on using the heaters in water and making sure that there's not even a slight current in the water because that will deter them. So Yeah, just making sure that it's in. Also, think about if your horses are in a herd and you've got one water source, do they feel comfortable going to that water source? Right. Sometimes you can have dominant personalities. The dominant one is going to – it's in the corner and my submissive horse doesn't want to go into the corner because the other horses are going to gang up on him. Make sure it's in a place where he can access it and feel safe. Yeah. And that's another question that I wanted to ask you about, and you're kind of touching on it, but what are some tips to get our horses to drink more water in the winter? I mean, you've you've talked about how great beet pulp is, right, as a increasing water So there's intake. ways that, you know, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. There's ways that you can put more moisture into his gut, i.e. wet his food, give him soaked beet pulp, soak rice bran. But the other thing is fiber itself has water holding capacity. It's like a reservoir. Mm -hmm. So the more hay he eats, the more he will drink naturally. If it's available and it's clean and it's the right temperature, just feeding him hay will increase his water intake. So you would notice if you were just feeding your horse, say, I don't know, five pounds of hay and he's getting moisture out of the grass and then the grass dries off and you bring him into the stall and you start feeding 10, 15 pounds of hay, you will notice your horse will drink more water. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to keep like a daily log of how much water they're drinking. Okay. And you briefly touched on it, but I do want to make sure that people caught on to it about if you're using a heater to kind of heat the tank so water doesn't freeze. You mentioned, I mean, horses, if there is any slight bit of current in there, they're going to get a little zap and they will not go back to that source of water. Yeah. Be really, really careful about all of that. Make sure that it's clean and it's that there isn't a tiny current 
in that water, make sure it's all safe and so we can keep them drinking. Excellent. And another thing that I wanted to talk about, because I don't know how many people would know if this is good or not, but can we rely on horses to eat any snow or ice to help increase water intake? You know, it's really not a good source of moisture. They'll do it. But again, that's now cooling them down. Now they're having to utilize more energy to stay warm. And you've probably all done it. If you've ever made kind of snow, the snow ice cream, which yeah. I knew nothing about until I moved here, <laughs> and you get a whole big bowl of snow and then you put milk on it and it starts to melt and all of a sudden you got you don't really have much left. So it really does take a lot of snow to get them the amount of water they need. So no, don't rely on snow or ice as an adequate water source for your horses. Okay. It's a dire straits if we're relying on that. Right, right. Dr. Cubitt, I think we've covered, I mean, we've covered a ton of information in this episode, but it's all been really great. But I do want you, if you could pull out just a couple of nuggets from our discussion today, some takeaways that you would like our listeners to walk away from, what would you like them to know? Oh my, it's so hard to pick out one or two, but I would say... Make sure you keep feeding plenty of forage. It's going to keep them warm and it's going to keep the gut healthy. It's going to encourage them to drink water. Make sure you don't forget about the water. They still need to drink between that 5 and 15 gallons. And maybe it's a little bit more for your horse. Maybe it's a tiny bit less. But you know what's normal for your horse. And, yeah, don't be afraid to not blanket a fat horse. He might help you lose some weight. But then keep an eye on those older horses that are really struggle to maintain their weight might need to feed them a little bit extra or blanket them or keep them in so that they're not losing too much extra weight. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Cubit. For our listeners, thank you for listening into our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to jump over and leave us a review. If you have any topic ideas, reach out to us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. Let us know what you want to hear about on these episodes. And until next time, thanks again, Dr. Cubit, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.